That's really interesting that the constitutional sheriff stuff is a big issue still. But the last few years, these sheriffs have been acting as sort of laws unto themselves, especially when it comes to illegal immigrants across the country. And it's interesting that it all ties back to the Oath Keepers. And of course, the Rand and Ron Paul situation, as we just described, is an interesting one. So Mr. Rhodes got his own subpoenas today, subpoena letter today. That's not really a surprise because so many of the people around Roger Stone on January the 6th that we've been able to track, so many of the people guarding him on January the 5th and January the 6th were in fact Oath Keepers. And we'll go through those names in just a second. But let's show you what Mr. Rhodes is accused of here in these subpoenas, or at least uh, what they say he has information about. There are two letters, actually. One goes directly out to the Oath Keepers in general, and that's this one here. This is just addressed to the Oath Keepers, and it says the Select Committee investigation has obtained credible evidence of the involvement of the Oath Keepers in the events within the scope of the Select Committee's inquiry. The Oath Keepers is an entity incorporated in Nevada, and records indicate that Stuart Rhodes serves as the president. And the indictment returned by federal grand jury in Washington, D.C. describes a conspiracy among at least 18 Oath Keepers in which members of the Oath Keepers plan to move together in coordination and with regular communication to storm the United States Capitol on January the 6th, 2021, including by traveling to Washington, D.C. with paramilitary gear and supplies, including firearms, tactical vests with plates, helmets, and radio equipment on October 6th, 2021. Another Oath Keeper was charged separately from this conspiracy. But this is really critical. What we're talking about here is that column of people that I think we may have identified on narrative. I think we did. Joe, I think your reporting that was able to help us solidify that. This was a column of people that not only left the Donald Trump rally together and was very much a military formation, but also was then later inside the Capitol <coughs> spotted here. You can see some of them in this little court release document photo. There's all the circles basically are Oath Keepers. So these guys are dressed for battle and inside the Capitol, they are dressed with, and had been planning. And again, those words, coordination, again, those words, communication, those are the things that they're looking at here. They're looking at the connective tissue that makes this a conspiracy. That was Can the I say stat. something? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Sandy. Yeah, the stat, right. I just posted an article for the Washington Post about the communications between the Oath Keepers. They had their texts and stuff mm. a few months ago. I took, when I did my timeline, I took all the reporting that was out there, and there was one thing happened at 150 between the Oath Keepers. There was a flurry of texts mm. and conversations. It was a six-and-a-half-minute phone call with this person number 10 and people at the time thought that was Roger Stone. Mm. So that might be something to look at that article. That's, that's who we identified on, on the show. We know who person 10 is. That's, that is? That's is Michael, it Stone? That's, that's Michael Simmons. Michael Simmons. Okay. Oh, it's yeah, not right. Stone. Okay. Yeah. No, it's not. And that's, uh, that's a very interesting Stone. story. The Michael Simmons is a really interesting story. Well, someone should go back and look at those tapes. It's a good show. <laughs> so it's not Roger Stone, but Stuart Rowe okay. is number one. But, is but person one fifty. At 1.50, there was this flurry of communication. There was the um, golf cart thing. And so then, you know, so I'd stole the golf cart and they, you know, whatever. But at 2.11 was mm. the first breach of the Capitol. To me, it looked like they were getting ready to, you know, because the Capitol breach took 19 minutes. The right. Whole, all four sides. An right. impenetrable building. 2.11 to 2.30. Well, that's what happens so, when uh, you've uh, planned a military operation. Oh, yeah. 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 I think these numbers are still somewhat accurate, although they may have changed, but these have come from your timeline, yes. I think, yes, Sandy. Exactly. You know, and you see there, it says you're 2.30, but it probably was, maybe it wasn't then. At the 2.11 was, a, he wrote, broke that window. And okay. all of those yeah. windows that were broken, mm -hmm. they were unreinforced windows. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. 
Did well, you know yeah, that? I didn't. I, we read about it recently. recently. I think the Washington Post were... did a story about it recently. Yeah. That the windows were open somehow or easy to open. Yeah, they weren't reinforced. There was like they picked, they found the windows that weren't reinforced. Unbelievable information that we've been finding out from so many great sources and including you yeah. too. So the indictment continues here. I won't go through the second part of the Oath Keeper subpoena because it's quite long. So we'll just jump here to Stuart Rhodes. And in this particular subpoena, this is the stuff that's directly attributable to him. It says the Select Committee investigation and public reports have revealed credible evidence. Yada, yada, we've heard that before. The Oath Keepers is an entity, very similar wording actually, than the one I just read you. So I'll just go to the second part here. On election day, you declared that an honest election could only result in a win for Donald Trump called for oath keepers to operate as undercover poll watchers and encourage members to stock up on ammo and prepare for a full on war in the streets. On November 10th, 2020, days after the presidential election, you encouraged Oath Keepers to gather for the November 14th, 20 million MAGA march in Washington, D.C., stating our men will be standing by awaiting the president's orders to call us up as the militia, which would override D.C.'s ridiculous anti-gun laws. So Oath Keepers will have time, will have some of the most special warfare veterans standing by armed just outside D.C. I mean, that's pretty spectacular that we're saying that. Yeah. That same post yeah. sought yeah. to encourage attendance by recalling when Serbians overthrew their own government under a header titled, What We the People must do. You quoted yeah. a patriot from Serbia. Millions gathered in our capital. There were no barriers strong enough to stop them. Police and military aligned with the people after a few hours of fistfights. We stormed the parliament and burned down fake state television. We won. Fake news. Yeah. Wow. So that was their plan. You know, I did a thread called, it starts off and it says, Proud Boys times Oath Keepers multiplied by 3% equals the formula for insurrection <laughs> right. because they are all together in this. And the thing yeah. about Stuart Rhodes, he was named in the indictment. So there is a conspiracy indictment already against a number of Oath Keepers, like you said. So far, we've identified about 10 people from the stack or however many people are in the stack. So we have their names. We have some people who have pled guilty from those. But in the first sort of indictments or in some of the first legal documents that we see, Stuart Rhodes was named and then redacted. So you could see mm. Stuart Rhodes' name and uh. then you can go later into a, a superseding indictment and then see the name person one where Stuart Rhodes used to be. So interesting. when I started to see what was happening in those conspiracy indictments, person one speaking to person 10, just as you said, Sandy, about you know, the amount of communications that were going back and then looking at your film and then turned of the time and then watching, you know, some of the live feeds from some of the news outlets. When you put the timeline against those conversations, it really does start to tell a picture, which is why it was yeah. so important for us to try and understand who person 10 is. Yeah. The other thing How'd you is- figure that within, out? How'd, you fig uh, How'd you figure that out? It was a long process. Okay. We looked at a number of videos of Oath Keepers doing patrols in Kentucky. So there was some mm -hmm. other further unrest that was happening in Louisville. The Oath Keepers went wow. down to guard a gas station and we ended up finding the person that wow. is Actually, is that the first, ties, ties to Carl Rittenhouse. I mean, that was sort of the same kind of action that it's we're the doing same around. Same action. Yeah. Well, so there's, know, there is connective you know tissue with all of this news that's been going on the last few days. They were in Charlottesville too. Yeah, they were. They were in all they, those places. They, they were in Charlottesville. And the militia who helped me, the three percenters, were also, that helped me when I hurt my, I fell there. They were also at the Bundy Ranch. They were Bundy guys. Mm -hmm. So yes. they're all connected. One of the other things that you mentioned from the subpoena was, you know, guns and the gun laws within D.C. Don't forget, there was a QRF, right? So that was Stuart Rhodes, Oath Keepers Quick Reaction Force. Right. And there was a person who was there in the indictments that was named to be part of that Quick Reaction Force where they were storing guns in a hotel in, I think it was Boston, Arlington. 
person three is an important person for us to identify because that was the person who was listed in the indictments as uh, the person who would be the QRF force. Stuart Rhodes has later gone on to sort of distance whoever that person is because they said, you know, you know, it's this sort of, you know, this old guy who was, you know, broken down and he couldn't, you know, really do anything. He had all the guns and everybody who was coming to DC was storing their guns with him to the point where you can even see in the indictment where people are texting back and forth, hey, I need to come get my shit after January 7th. That quick reaction force is really important. I mean, it's important for everyone to realize that they were staging for war. They were planning what to do after they were able to seize the Capitol, after they were able to take some of the congressmen and senators hostage, maybe after they were able to get Pence or uh, Pelosi or whatever it is they were trying to do, they were planning to then have a quick reaction force ready to go to respond yeah. to whatever the military might have done or anybody else might have done to try and quell the insurrection as it had taken place up to then. So this was a very planned out stage thing. They had yeah. the four stage uh, maneuver to get into the Capitol within 20 minutes, as you point out, Sandy. And then the actual plan for what will happen inside, for what would happen after that when the military or other people would have moved in. Yeah. And after the shooting is when things really start to take off. There's more text messages and more phone calls that occur after the shooting uh, of, of Ashley uh, Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt, which of course changed yeah. the dynamics of the it, whole it day. Changed the dynamics of everything. Death really was what? 244. Yeah. Changed right. everything so, that day. So, so after that, you start to see the Oath Keepers gather outside the Capitol. I think at some point there's a text that says, hey, you know, kind of rally on me sort of thing from person one, which is Stuart Rhodes. But what's interesting is you see in the indictment, I think they're in the fifth superseding indictment right now, there's about 18 or so, like person 18 or person yeah. 20 even that they're up to, but only a few have been named. If you look at where Stuart Rhodes is, you can see everybody who was in the stack. So they're all rallied on him after the fact. And then there are others that are unidentified mm. right now. I suspect that those others that are in that photo or in those pictures will be the people who will be uh, named in further uh, mm. superseding indictments, which I'm hoping really, come soon. Really interesting. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Oath Keepers. By the way, everyone's got this poll up on their screen. I hope you have. If you don't have it, it means you're not watching on the narrative.org forward slash TV feed, currently free for everybody. It will end up being a feature just for patrons. But while it's free for everybody, go and check it out because you can do all this incredible stuff. You can chat with us. We'll take messages and put them on the air as we head towards the end of the show here as well. But you can also poll people. And this is the question we're asking you tonight. Will Donald Trump be held accountable for January the 6th? So far, 35% of people say yes, and he'll serve time. 40% say yes, but he won't serve time. And 25% no, he'll win. He'll never be held to account. I tend to agree with the way things are flowing. I find it very hard to see him serving time, but I certainly would love to see him being held to account uh, for all the information that uh, we've been able to dig up, but also the information the commission must have. So head over to narrative.org forward slash TV to get your vote in there. And also tell us in the comments about what you think about today's subpoenas in particular and what it means, commission's uh, final attempt here to get people to provide them with documents. The Oath Keepers are just, before we leave them, very important because they were also the security for Roger Stone that whole weekend. And we did a, a show with Noel Kastler, Joe, you and I did this, which is quite detailed looking into all these Oath Keepers and what they were doing around Roger, all these guys in these- My friend's picture. Is it your friend's picture? Well, it's a great picture because it, it reveals, <laughs> thank you, Mark, for letting us use this. It reveals these caps, you know, each of these caps has the Oath Keeper logo on them. Yeah. And it also, you know, even though they might seem hard to identify, 
the internet was a very wise thing and was able to identify all these characters at different times surrounding Roger Stone. And perhaps most notably on the morning of January the 6th, Roger Stone was now famous Willard Hotel, a name you probably only heard on narrative before it now became quite popular and quite famous. <laughs> but we did expose the Willard to you first. There's tape of Roger Stone outside the Willard Hotel. And we're going to play a little bit of this now. You know this tape quite well, Joe, but feel free to jump in as well, Sandy, sure. what he did that morning. And around him, you can see all the open doors. The guys with the, uh, I guess it's like a Any scarf around their, their yeah, neck. What's, what's, what should I ask Roger, Mr. Roger Stone? God bless you. Get in that so that's Robert uh, Menudo. So, Robert Menudo is another Oath Keeper. He's a person Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. So hopefully we have this today, right? We shall see. We shall see. We're hoping so. This is my Jewish brother. Excellent. Dr. Roger Stone. How are you? Four two. Excellent. You know I'm a Zionist. A Zionist? I think it's really interesting that he says that actually. Oh, I wish somebody gave me the tip for this. I'm so jealous. You look good too. You look oh, God bless you. God bless you. Better in person, right? Oh, absolutely. I see you too. You look healthy. It's just also brazen. God bless you. Do you know what Nick Fuentes told me last week? What? What did he tell you? This is incredible. I so did two things have happened in New York that are terrifying. The uh, Groypers, Nick Fuentes, did a rally in Staten Island outside, you know, because the anti-vax movement, right? You know this, Joe. It's all of the, uh, the white supremacists have like uh, morphed into the anti-vax movement, the anti-mandate, you know. And Nick Fuentes was in Staten Island Hospital protesting. And then he showed up at Gracie Mansion with the Groypers chanting, Christ is king and America first, right? So I interviewed Fuentes and I said, you know, you blocked me the day before you were suspended from Twitter. <laughs> and so he has no platform. He says, 75 million of us voted for Trump and we're not going anywhere. And that was well so terrifying. True. So, you know, it's fascinating to me they haven't budged, but we will do our best to nudge them along to the truth because they really are following these kind of crazy ideas beyond rational thought, you'd think. It's mm -hmm. interesting just on the Oath Keepers, just to, keep, just to wrap up the Oath Keepers and to wrap up their connections to Ron and Rand Paul. The interesting thing about Ron mm -hmm. and Rand Paul is their, you know, their fondness, shall I say, uh, of Putin and Russia in general. Uh -huh. Ron Paul was a regular in Russia, often visited Moscow, reminded people that the MSM wants us to cast Russia as an enemy. And it's wrong, yeah. said Ron Paul on Russia Today way back when. His son, Rand Paul, also very fond of traveling to the Kremlin, in one point traveling to deliver a letter to Vladimir Putin from Donald oh Trump, God. because that's what one does when you're a sitting senator. You know, it certainly raises questions about who the Oath Keepers really are, where's the money coming from, and what agenda are they really following? Yeah. Um, the libertarian ideology is, is all over there. It just is that we are seeing the blooming of the libertarian ideology into fascism. Really, we are. It's, uh, and it's, it's pretty scary that they're Real-time fascism. Yeah, they convince people it. that it's the way to go. So let's do the big news today, which was the RPL, and then we'll probably wrap up for today and continue if you can tomorrow because we're going to run out of time. But the one um, First Amendment Praetorians 
are not something that's sort of on everyone's lips uh, in America <laughs> right now. People have not heard of the First Amendment Praetorians. Narrative Man. viewers have heard of the First Amendment Praetorians because we were able to identify them as a real force within the insurrectionist movement because they took members of the Oath Keepers were part of their world. They seem to be surrounding um, some of the influential leaders. And they were also present at the Willard in particular because the tape we just showed you outside the Willard, it showed Roger Stone. Later in that tape, you saw Rudy Giuliani exiting from the Willard. And there were many, many other very powerful people in the right-wing world all at the Willard Hotel, right across the road from the White House. Easy access for anyone who wanted to get across from the White House to come and join in. You know, it's interesting that the First Amendment Praetorian were there. Uh, if you recall, yeah, if you recall there was a photo of Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman from the mm -hmm. Eastman Memo, yeah. uh, Christina Bob uh, mm -hmm. from OAN, and Philip Lulsdorf. Philip Lulsdorf, yeah. He was the First Amendment Praetorian, uh, Indeed. Was their, one of their uh, business directors. Absolutely. It's a really fascinating organization, and we'll go into them in just a, it's just a second after we look at the today's subpoenas. You know, drawing our line in the sand was what he described, Robert Patrick Lewis described what was going on on January the 6th. He claims to represent military law enforcement and uh, intelligence community vets. He has been running security at various events uh, leading up to, to January the 6th, especially for all these dignitaries that we just described. And it is true that this guy, Philip von Lulsdorf, Without the fun, he's just known as Philip Lewinsdorf, is his, one of his base, his lieutenants. And here is that photograph you were mentioning inside the so-called war room where Giuliani was holding court on, on January the 6th uh, even, and maybe January the 5th as well. In there, you can see on the right there, the big white guy in the white sweatshirt. That is the First Amendment Praetorian's Director of Business Affairs, Philip von Lulsdorf. Um, and there you can see how they were able to identify him using the various uh, face technologies. This is Freedom Plaza here. Yeah, fascinating, isn't it? That these guys who were, and I'm going to read you the subpoena that mentioned right now, just imagine how close they were to Rudy Giuliani and Roger Stone in the command center there, in the war room. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's certainly beginning to tell me that there is an indication that the First Amendment Praetorians might be the link between the leadership of the insurrection, the Roger Stone, Michael Flynn, and Alex Jones of the... Uh, and of the world, and also the people who actually committed the crimes and stormed the Capitol. So uh, briefly, let's look at RPL. This is a subpoena. What do you guys think about these connections? They seem pretty volatile and important. Absolutely. I think you know a couple of things that are from a connections perspective. Mm -hmm. When you say people are out there chanting, Christ is King, mm -hmm. I get that, and that's prayer, and I understand that, but there is way more to just those three words. Mm -hmm. Mike Flynn oh, yeah. is using those three words, Christ is King. One religion. Yeah. One religion. That's what they're after, and there's, you know, we yeah. can that is so true because we're going to play some tape Christ as well that shows exactly that. Yeah. 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 So the fact that Mike Flynn was being guarded by the First Amendment Praetorian again, wow. we're talking about going back to the days of Rome, right? These Praetorian oh, yeah. guards Praetorian. guarding the elite. So, wow. so here, so here you have Mike Flynn Lord. being guarded by the First Amendment Praetorians. You remember <gasps> a person named Shadow Flynn? He's always around, you know, guarding that person. Yeah, it's very, the throwbacks are not, wow. you know, they, these are not coincidences that they're calling them as, these names. Them. It's really fascinating. Yeah. And they've been yeah. around. This is what the subpoena says about these guys. So the investigation and public accounts have revealed credible evidence of your involvement in the First Amendment Praetorian in the events within the scope of Select Committee's inquiry. The First Amendment Praetorian provided security to the Million MAGA March on November 14, 2020, including providing protection to Ali Alexander. You described your coordination ah. with Mr. Alexander as tight at the hip. You later claimed that you provided security for Lieutenant General Michael Flynn at the Jericho March in Washington, D.C. on December 12, 2020, and have 
claimed to coordinate closely and regularly with Lieutenant General Flynn. He also claimed to coordinate closely with Sidney Powell. That's interesting mm. that that name comes up yeah. because yeah. tape will just play in a minute from now. You'll see he mentioned Sidney Powell and that why she's so important to this. On January the 4th, 2021, the first Amendment Praetorian Twitter account suggested that violence was imminent. There may be some young wow. National Guard captains facing some very tough choices in the next 48 hours. Pray with every fiber of your being that their choices are wise, just wise Pray. and fearless. And you were listed as a speaker on the permit for the Rally to Revival on Freedom Plaza scheduled for January the 5th, 2021. The permit also stated that 25 members of the First Amendment Praetorian would serve as demonstration marshals on January the 6th, 2021. And on that day at 2.18 p.m., you tweeted, today is the true battle begins. At 4.13 p.m., the First Amendment Praetorian Twitter account tweeted, the cost of truth is pain. The greater the truth, the greater the potential for pain. Boy, is it wow. significant that they were the marshals wow. for the march. These guys who were planning the insurrection. What time? Were what the time? Sorry, was there that, was a second one, the four something. What was 4 it? What time was PM, that? Four thirteen. Well, that PM. was when they were urging them to we the people to keep fighting. Yeah. And that's when they read his uh, tweet again from earlier in the day, and he said Mike Pence didn't have the courage. He changed the tense. Up to that point, let's hope that Mike Pence has the courage, right? And yeah. then at four, right around that time, he says Mike Pence didn't have the courage. Interesting. And keep fighting. You have to keep fighting. They wanted them to go into that building. That, that was the plan. Who were they taking instructions exactly. from? Exactly. You know, that's the thing which I, uh, you know, keep asking. By the way, Matt Fosa, who's uh, the great composer of the show's music, says on online here, yeah, the Praetorians assassinated emperors who didn't back <gasps> the military. Um, <laughs> by, it's a really important point about the Praetorians and what their role oh was. So God. thank you, Matt, for throwing that into the chat here. We are talking about a very significant connection. When you talk about these people were the marshals, they were the security for the event that preceded the insurrection. In other words, they were connected on a piece of paper, actual proof, actual documentation to the organizers of the event, to the creamers and, and all these other guys of the world. So you've got real evidence there, real and indisputable evidence that they were planning on the one hand an insurrection, planning to be violent, planning to do all these things. And on the other hand, they were also being hired as security or so-called security for uh, people like Roger Stone, but also for the event itself. There's a, a National Park Service permit that uh, names um, the first Praetorian as being a part of a security. I'll see if I can find that document. I'll tweet it yeah. out after the show. Yeah, another, I mean, another thing, as I was saying earlier about how the Oath Keepers sort of, you know, they're stepping stones to things, you know, as they do it. First Praetorians do the same thing. This security that they were doing, right? They started out as like this security gig. They're also a surveillance team. And they were in Portland trying to gather information on Antifa protesters and then sending uh, them to their friends that were still in law enforcement. Absolutely. So this is a surveillance organization as well. I mean, I'm glad you yeah. mentioned that because you also identified earlier on a clip from RPL where he talks about being the intelligence operation, uh, basically the front end intelligence operation for Sidney Powell, who, as we know, is the architect yeah. of the of the big lie. Here's that clip, which just comes from a YouTube, if I'm not mistaken, of RPL's. Here he is describing how he's helping Sidney Powell. Helping them, the Sydney Powell legal team, that she doesn't have the money of the United States government behind her. This is a private enterprise. Um, and so we've been helping their team in multiple respects, uh, whether it be like what we're doing now, what we're talking about with uh, physically protecting the whistleblowers and making sure that they're perfectly OK and um, and will be available to testify when it's needed. Uh, we also have had our intelligence team working in a couple of different uh, aspects, assisting her team. So our intel team has been processing a lot of OSINT, doing a lot of uh, open source intelligence, uh, a lot of digging, a lot of collating uh, of all these different wow. 
things that people have been sharing on social media uh, regarding mm. these, you know, different pieces of this election fraud puzzle, whether it be digging into the companies that we know are behind it, Dominion, Smartmatic, Seidel, um, and all their ownership, wow. and all their connections to Venezuela and Iran and China and all these other places, oh or the people that got physical videos uh, at these different um, events or at some of the uh, polling locations, uh, and we're uploading it. We've been helping them kind of collate it, bring it to the right place. That's a uh, pretty oh, significant. Somebody's, somebody's talking. Somebody's flipping on these guys. I mean, I never heard of this guy. Well, he's been around. I mean, the fascinating thing is he's doing this on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Joe. And, wow. and, and, and something wow. else that's just really important that we have to understand, too, is he's also a Green Beret, and he's trained in irre irregular warfare. And wrote a book. Wow. He wrote several and, and books. He wrote, wrote a he book. Wrote right, books. Yeah. He wrote two. He, he's writing a trilogy. It's called The Pact. And in it, the main sort of themes are China, Russia, and Hezbollah, uh, all attacking oh. the United States simultaneously. When wow. in actuality, it really kind of turns out to be China, Russia, and his bullshit. Because he and Flynn <laughs> and Sidney Powell, there's just so many connective, like you said, Deb, so much connective tissue um, that wow. this is this is definitely a thread worth pulling. Yeah, I think this is one of the most significant things that they were trying yes. to do today by releasing these new subpoena letters wow. today. They are now forcing the media, which has sort of been really lax on this. I must yes, say, I mean, yes. they've not been doing the job that thankfully you guys have been helping us do here. But there's a really important connection here between this organization, the First Amendment Praetorians, and what they were doing for Sidney Powell and Michael Flynn. You remember that big meeting that they had where they were discussing this whole insurrection at the White House? It seems to me that the RPL and perhaps other members of the First Amendment Praetorian were chauffeuring Sidney Powell to that meeting, which is the meeting where they discussed the insurrection. So not only are they, you know, acting as driving as a security for her. They're also their intelligence operation. In other words, they're providing briefs for her. They're explaining to her what the lies might be from the Dominion wow. company that they've been investigating, which wow. you just spoke about there. You can wow. see that they're much more important than just security and drivers. They drove her there. They briefed her before probably and afterwards. What was that briefing like? And who gave them the assignment to brief her? Where are yes. they getting this information Who's paying from? them? Who's, Who's paying, paying them? them? Where's this information coming from? You know, okay. were they being fed information from What about Eric Prince? Do you think Eric Prince is in there somewhere? Uh, Eric Prince is in all, everything, I'm sure. Everything, right? I'm waiting for that man to land up in jail, maybe one of these days. But he must be in here because this is the kind of team that he hangs out with. I mean, these sort of former yeah. Marines and former, uh, these are the kind of people he hangs out with. I'm sure we're going to find out that he is there. I've got so much more to do and I want to do it, but I think we're going to have to resume tomorrow because we are just going to run out of time if we continue to try jam this in. So if you guys are okay uh, yeah. coming back tomorrow, we can, we can pick up Alex so Jones much. and Stone. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Joe, you're great. I mean, well, both Thank of you, you together. I'm like, my head is exploding. I was going to say both but, of you, you know, together, all actually. Of those, putting all of those pieces together. I mean, I'm on the front line, but my friend Michael Nigro shot the stack. The yeah, great the really shot famous, of the stack yeah. that everybody, he's a, a wonderful photojournalist. So, you know, our jobs are so important. Just being there and pointing our cameras, you know, and then leave yeah. it up to the rest of the well, people no, to figure I, out you know, who they you are. are. You were one of the first people who pointed out to me, you know, as we looked at that timeline together on the show, uh, Sandy, that we were able to figure out that the, it was just 19 minutes. It's impossible to penetrate the capital in 19 minutes, unless you've got some sort of plan and for some sort of oh, yeah. haphazard, everyone's going to stumble around. You're not going to get inside the entire capital on four sides in 19 minutes. There's not a chance. So no, obviously, my friends it's were at, oh, by the way, Michael yeah. Nigro just did a little heart. He's listening to the show. Okay. <laughs> Great. Uh, but the fact that this guy, this Pretoria guy is, you know, going 
this babbling all this data off. I mean, this is planned for, it couldn't have been just since November since they lost the election. It had to no. be planned further than that, right? They planned it further. Think? And I think they planned it really badly. And they probably planned it with a lot of informants in their ranks and without thinking about wow. it, probably had this entire plan, you know, shared widely as we knew about it. Many other people knew about it. And this is, in fact, what may bring them all down. Yeah. It certainly should well, bring them all down. Well, kudos to the January 6th committee because they are really know what they're doing. Like you, like Joe said, oh, it. you know that name? <laughs> it's I mean, great. It's great. It really is great. Because yeah. I mean, we've been sitting here kudos. in the dark a little bit doing a, sort of our own parallel investigation and thinking, yeah. you know, is the DOJ? even following these people or you know there's, there's been quite a quiet on the first amendment Praetorians. it certainly seems that the jan 6 commission is doing an incredible job of following all the right things and tomorrow i really want to build a case around the money because the money flow is mm. fantastic and it's very easy to see how millions of dollars came directly from donald trump or through his campaign at least to the mm. organizers of this event that it's not you know you don't have to look very hard to see how money flew here and then china 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 is all over this china. thing and we'll, get, and we'll break china. into you know, you know we'll talk about that the irony of it all is of course they think that and was, guo and that they, guy guo uh yeah the bannon's guy with the yacht yeah yeah, the Moonies and all of that. That's all still coming. Moonies. Out the Moonies. Oh, my yeah. God. It's it's an incredibly interesting <laughs> investigation. Uh, P. Sanfran Girl says we need to boost Ad Dempsey 2's threads and research. They're extraordinarily important. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so everyone who has Thank not you. yet Thank followed him, follow much. him, boost him, does amazing, interesting stuff. And, uh, you know, I think I spotted you and you were at like very few followers, but um, you've, you've improved a little bit thanks to, yeah, bit to the narrative. Yeah, you're great. You're really. Yeah, really. Yeah. And they're very entertaining threads. Very Secret weapon. <laughs> Um, someone's asking who owns the Willard. I think it's owned currently by the Intercontinental Hotel, but it's an interesting piece of property because it's right adjacent to the White House, which would put it in the security cordon, which would be quite, uh, would certainly make the Secret Service be aware of it very well. And they'd know the layout pretty well of how that place worked. So there's more research to be done on that. Let me see what else people are asking here before we say goodnight. Maybe they could flee, says Matt Fausa again. Says the John Birch Society is back. They even have a Twitter account. Oh, I didn't realize that. My mother was a member of the John Birch Society. She was? In Orange County. Yeah, card carrying. And now and look at 50s. you. Look at you now. <laughs> She'd be so proud of you. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see what else we got here. Oh, my God. Uh, um, well, I think that's it. I thank everyone for commenting tonight on the chat. I, I've got it fixed so we can work it more effectively, and we will continue to do so uh, on tomorrow's show. show. I we, had a fantastic time. We had a great time, I too. Thank so you. so much. Great time. <laughs> We're going to be back tomorrow. We'll try to do it at seven o'clock. Hopefully the internet will be friends with me again. And we'll go through the rest of this. We'll go through Alex Jones, Stone, all the money and everything else. Uh, it should be an interesting show. Thank you for being patient tonight. By the way, if you're not a member of patreon.com forward slash narrative community, please do that as soon as you can, because it's really important that we keep funding uh, this kind of programming. It's gotten uh, prohibitively expensive to keep doing this. Without your support, we only have 1% of this audience watching right now is currently a, a patron. And we like to keep the programming free for everybody because it's so important. But in order for that to happen, we need some of you to pony up and subscribe or become patrons at patreon.com forward slash narrative. You know, if you have time and if you have the money or the inclination, I hardly uh, ask that you do that. And that's the show for tonight. Thank you, Joe Dempsey at Dempsey2. Thank you, Sandy Bacon at Sandy Bacon. I'm Zev Shalev at Zev Shalev. And this is the show for tonight. We'll be back uh, tomorrow night at seven. Have a good night, everybody. Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. Join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. That's patreon.com forward slash narrative.